sports fashion. Dude, wow. I mean, that was quite the giggle <laughs> that you had on the <laughs> snow sports Walk the outfit for today. <laughs> like, I mean, I'll stand up as as you just knock yourself off the stream somehow in some way. But this is what Kowalski was going nuts on. And what it is, is a fantastic overall suit. And here's Sissy Smallfrey. Come on in, honey. Thank you very much. And here's a beautiful looking smoothie as well. So Kowalski uh, was just there. I think he got overexcited. And we somehow lost him. But bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. And we'd have uh, English muffins for breakfast with a beautiful smoothie that Sissy Small Fry just delivered. Now, Kowalski, what, um, what happened? I mean, you got overexcited about my snow sport outfit today. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In, the, in the midst of all of it, mm -hmm. somehow disconnected yourself. Oh, no, 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 no. So what happened is when you got up in that, I think it's a snow sport outfit. I'm not sure if it's made for driving a Zamboni or, or what you guys do with this, those kind of snow sport outfits. But you got up to move, and I think because of all the material, and, and obviously the material when it moves has a sound on it too. So, yeah, you moved, and then a cord yanked out, and then the screen went black, but I'm back in, you know. But that is one hell of a snow sport outfit. Pretty solid, huh? Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit like, damn, I wish I had one on. Yeah. Just for production value. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have some balls. You gotta, you get, bro, you gotta have some balls to rock this. I mean, it, it is, you know. And I've thought about going shirtless under here. <laughs> and and these are just, these are just off the nips too, because the nips are here. But, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind, they're kind of like bibs, right? Yeah. And it's actually what you call bibs. Like you, you, it's, um. That's what they call these now that I just realized it. But they call them the same thing that, you know, I know you love rocking bibs on, on the mm. bicycle. I do. I love it. Postures you up, and it gives you that nice party boy feel to have the straps over shirtless underneath. Well, David, good morning to you from Nova Scotia, Halifax. Oh. David, explain to me real quick. Like, what's the difference between Nova Scotia and Halifax? Is Halifax a city and Nova Scotia is a province, or is it, it, it vice versa? And Kowalski, for the yeah. last time, quit fucking with your camera. Like, I know, I, 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 I know you have this. I'm a popular guy. About, people, like, people called me. People called me, and the screen went black. I put it on Do Not Disturb. People are calling me, dude. It's, it's Mountain Standard Time. The day has begun. Onward. So you're wearing the Cubs hat this morning, and and by the way, my headset uh, is is still wet from the first we sweat class, and that's when we know we had a good one. So we had some good chats this morning uh, at 6 a.m. Pacific time. 
Of course, that is 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, where Kowalski is in, in Arizona. we got to be catching up here pretty soon, right? Isn't it about the middle of March, usually where the clock uh, in California goes forward? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, whatever. I, 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 agree, I agree with you guys. I would just – I like staying on the same – time i don't think we need to be moving it back and forth i think it's it's really really complex and the idea that they did it for the school children and the farmers and everything else it's like so they don't have to go to school in the dark yeah i get it but i i also don't like it getting dark at 4 30 in the afternoon so uh that's a whole nother <clears throat> daily hustle that might be coming up here in the near future uh that said kowalski we had last night an awesome trivia uh game uh, first ever oppo taco tuesday Baseball trivia uh, with myself and Ashley Haas was the co-host, beautiful uh, Vicky Secret Model, um, who is also an actress, who's also a, a gambling extraordinaire. So Ashley and I, um, you know, worked you over with these Cubs questions right off the bat. You are our first contestant. You answered three pretty simple ones uh, and, then, and then went down on the question, which was how many World Series have the Cubs won? Do we know this Three. this morning now as you rock 2007, 2008, 2016. I'll never, I will never in my life get that question wrong again. So to be wrong once here, oh. now I'm. What? No. Nin, 1907. Yeah. Or, or excuse me. 07, 1907, 1908, 2016. Right. Right. I mean, come on. We all know that. Okay. Okay. And you know what's funny? And I'm going to give you some fuel for the next one. <clears throat> there's a there's a, the next question that you were getting, and it, like I said, they were progressively getting more difficult. Get okay. So this was this was going to be the next Cubs question. The most amount of games that the Cubs have ever won in one season. And I'm going to I'm going to give you a couple hints because it, it's relative to the 07 and 08. It it the the year was actually 1906 and they won this certain amount of games, right? Which you're going to try to guess. Um and then they went on to lose to the White Sox in the World Series. Do you know the amount? 108 that's not a bad guess. 116. Ah! How about that? It's pretty heavy, right? It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I'd like to see that happen again, but, you know, we'll see. How do the Cubs – yeah, what's the Cubs' prospects look like this year? No uh, we still got a lot of the – we still got a lot of the, the, the nucleus that we have from 16, right? So you have a lot of this championship pedigree. We, and, right, we got Jay Hay. We have Javi Baez up the middle. We've got Chris Bryant. We've got Rizzo. We've got Contreras behind the dish. Um, now we bring back Arietta, but we bring back Arietta and we let Lester go to our rival, um, basically for the same amount of money, basically coming off the, the, the same year as, as numbers-wise, performance-wise. So I'm interested to see how Arietta does and how Lester does. What I think makes the Arietta um, deal interesting is that his manager was his catcher for so long, right? All the success that Ross and, and, and Arietta has had as a tandem. So I think we got that working in our favor, and hopefully we can just, uh, you know, make a push, a real push into the playoffs uh, this year and, and not get, you know, embarrassed by 
the Marlins in a one-game wildcard playoff at home. So, I, But having fans in Wrigley is going to make a big difference. Yeah, I didn't know um, how well David Ross would do. I know I, I really like him as a, as a dude. I know he was a fantastic teammate, great player. Um, but I, I had no idea, you know, how he would do because all of a sudden he was the manager. And in today's game, like, look, it doesn't matter um, who you are. Like, as, as a manager, it's impossible to be everybody's best friend. And that's what David Ross was on the Cubs roster. So I was interested in – and it makes um, – you know, very interesting point or topic of, of discussion, uh, you know, because we talk about leadership so much here in the Daily Hustle. And it's like, you know, where do you draw that line <laughs> excuse me, between being a leader um, and being a friend? Because right. there's a certain amount of accountability that not only, you know, you need to hold yourself to as that leader – but you need to hold your players to. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the, the best way probably to approach it uh, is to be very transparent with, with everything and, and keep communication lines open. Um, but, you know, what's going to happen if, just, let's say, Jake Arrieta, you know, goes in a, a, a four-game slump and he can't get a fucking out, he can't get out of the third inning? And it's just like, you know, at some point, and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to wish that upon him at all. I hope he goes out there and has a fantastic year. But we're just hypothetically speaking of a, a manager's position where it's like, dude, I can't give him the ball. Like, I like, like we, we got to figure something out. And so, you know, how would you deal with that situation if you were David Ross? You know, I think the whole relationship thing with Rossi is that. Not only is there a connection as as friends, obviously in that in that club, I think beyond that, you have friends that you kind of you really love and enjoy being around, and you see them kind of as your equal. But but in this particular case, he was almost a, a friend, but also like an older brother type uncle character to them. I mean, they called the guy Grandpa Rossi when he came in and scored. They had that sort of like that hip check that they did with Rossi. You know, they did like an old man hip check with them. So I think it's this 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 unbelievable level of respect and admiration and mentorship that comes along also with this deep connection with him as a friend. So I think it allows all the players on the team to have a real clear delineation and uh, um, understanding of where the friendship is. And, and where the where the player uh, uh, coach relationship is, and I think they do a very good job at delineating the two, and and then you know focusing on what they need to focus on to, to win ball games. Well, it's easy to be everybody's best friend when they're playing well, and I think about the relationships that I had with my managers, and I knew when I put them in a tough spot because, you know when. Bob Guerra was writing my name in the three hole every single day and, and, and penciling me in for left center or right field. And I knew I was giving me the lineup. It was, it, it was great. Um, you know, same thing with Art Howe or Ken Maka. Uh, but, you know, when, you know, I'm fighting for playing time and there's communication going 
you know, Art Howe and, and Billy Bean. And as far as who should be playing Art Howe, literally like handing me the phone and saying, call Billy. Like there's, there's so many dynamics there that, that get very complicated. Um, and that, that's the truth, man. It, it actually happened twice. And it happened with, with two different managers. It happened with Art um, when I got sent down in 2002 at the very start of the season. And Art picked up the phone. He handed me the phone. He said, call Billy. This wasn't my choice. And uh, the next time it happened was after we came back from Boston in um, <clears throat> 2005. Ken Mock was a manager. And I'd gone on a, a, a tear for – you know, two or three games in a row, and we get back to Oakland, and I think we were facing the Yankees, and we had, like, Mike Mussino on the mound. And they'd called up uh, Matt Watson and immediately threw him in a lineup. And the day before, I'd gone three for four against Matt Clement, who's, like, a nasty at the time. He's a filthy right-hander. <clears throat> I think he pitched for the Cubs, too. Um, dirty slider, you know, 94 with run, and I'd, I'd had a few hits. Uh, you know, three hits uh, off of him. And then I believe it was, you know, the game, win what would have been the game winning home run, two down in the ninth uh, against Keith Folk. And Keith Folk uh, threw me a, geez, it was a, he was throwing one changeup after another, changeup, and he had a filthy changeup, Trevor Hoffman-esque. And at the time, he was the best closer in baseball, too. And again, a right-handed pitcher. And I end up getting you know foul a bunch of pitches off, maybe a ten pitch at bat, get a three two fastball, runner on like, like I said, runner on first, top of the ninth, two outs, we're down one, and I hit a fucking bomb over the Green Monster, <laughs> and it, it, bro, it, it put it put us up, it put us up one, and I came in, it was just like fuck yeah, yeah, just the, like the juice, right, and I believe it was. Billy, uh, maybe Billy Koch or Octavio Dotel, uh, the next inning. It doesn't matter, but but they they whoever it was, but like we went out and typical Boston fashion, man. They came right back on us, and Veritech um, ended up hitting a walk off, mm. and they won. And then that the next day was like I was talking about. We're back in Oakland, and I wasn't. In the lineup and they called up um matt watson this had nothing to do with matt watson this, this is i actually thought i was you know if, if there's one thing i did really well when i played it was that i never took it personal when it came to somebody else playing in front of me because it, it's it look if it's not him it's going to be fucking him like it, it there, there was always going to be somebody else so <clears throat> instead of developing this arch rival with what we would consider competition i i just you know, I, I would embrace it and, and I would try to, you know, use that person to, you know, not only motivate me, but I'd try to motivate him. Like I, I wanted us to, to both play well and, and, and feed off each other. And, and look, if it didn't work out for one of us in Oakland, then, you know, ideally it, it would somewhere else. I learned that really early in college and you know, I learned it from Scott and Mike Seal because both of these guys were at UCLA and their brothers, and it was the three of us who were fighting for the starting right field job when I was a freshman. Mike was a senior who was an All-American at Loyola Marymount, and he had transferred over. Scott was a sophomore. Um, he got a little bit of playing time as a freshman, had all sorts of tools, could hit a ball freaking 500 feet. 
Um, Mike was, you know, at the time, the most polished player, the most experienced. You know, obviously, I was came in, Roz could be, and then Scott was an unproven commodity at that point. But <clears throat> instead of me coming in and having to face this ridiculous competition um, in, in, in where it, it feels, you know, really uncomfortable, um, it was like those guys immediately became my best friends. And I, I, ironically, so Mike then uh, – Mike got moved to left field, and he was our starting left fielder. Uh, I ended up winning the starting right field job. Scott did not play much that year, a little first base, but it was he was in and out of the lineup. And then the next year, Scott transferred to Cal State Fullerton, where had, he had an unbelievable year, ended up getting drafted by the Padres and played – uh, a number of years in the minor leagues. So, you know, that's your typical case of where you're in this arena and you're there with your competition. And it's like, you know, we can't control the circumstances. We can only control our reaction to them. And the more love and positivity and and, and uh, helpfulness, so to speak, that we give out to other people, the more it's returned. So here were these guys, which is the most diligent workers that I've ever been around, and, dude, I mean, we would show up, I'll never forget, like, with I, I'd go to the Jackie Robinson Stadium with the Steel Brothers 10 o'clock at night, and they had the key to, to the cage, and we'd fire on the lights, man, and, bro, we'd, we'd hit for two hours. I mean, there were times we'd, we'd pull, like, a case of beer in there and, 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 and you know, cr- 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 crush, crush 24 beers and, and just fucking take wax. That's um, That was everything, man. It, it's so cool. But, yeah, it's um, – you know, so so when that happened, when the, I was out of the lineup, Maka Maka finally understood, and I was always arguing, you know, with him about playing time, and and it was just I just wanted I just wanted a shot, and it and it was, and I would never I would never make the case unless I had a leg to stand on, and if I wasn't playing well, trust me, I, I wasn't I wasn't fighting, I wasn't gonna be in there fighting, I, like I had to earn it. The difficulty was when I felt like I had earned the playing time. And I didn't get it. And so when that happened, um, it was just it was upsetting because you know you're sitting here and you're like, dude, this is my this is my career, this is my livelihood, um, and and I'm doing everything I can. And so Maka understood that. And so one time I came in after that, after I had the the run of great games in Boston, and then came home, and Watson was playing for the second time, second time, different manager and. Hands me the phone and says, talk to Billy. This isn't my call. <laughs> Pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, but um, I think at some point you got to tell the story on when, like, you literally chased Billy down. Well, that was the same, that was the same thing with the, the first one <clears throat> when um, I got sent down in 2002. And, you know, once again, I, I had – I had a leg to stand on. I 2001, like part time in AAA, went 2020. That's 20 home runs and 20 bags. And then they asked me to go Dominican. I went to Dominican. I became the first American MVP in over 20 years there uh, of the league. Um, and then I came back to spring training and got off the slow start. Just you know, probably a little hang- hungover from uh, the whole Dominican experience. But in the last week of the season. I hit three or four home runs and was just dialed in. And it was like, bam, solidified my spot. It's not even a question. And they ended up taking uh, – they had a Rule 5 draft pick. Mike Colangelo is his name. And they ended up taking Mike in, instead of me. Only the, the sole reason 
um, was because they didn't want to have to give them back to this, the San Diego Padres. Uh, so it was purely that was that was why. But again, when Art sent me down, Art's like, "Look, man, this isn't my decision. I didn't know what to tell you. Talk to Billy." And I call Billy, and his assistant answer the phone, and she's like, um, <laughs> "She's like, hello, Billy Bean's office." And I'm, hey, Debbie, is uh, Eric Burns? Uh, is Billy there? Oh no, Eric. I'm sorry, Billy's not here. He'll be home, uh, or he'll be he'll be back shortly. Cool, uh, Debbie. Uh, do you know uh, when exactly that would be? Oh, probably within the half hour. All right. Okay. Would you like me to tell him you called? And nah, Debbie. I'm gonna meet him in the parking lot. <laughs> she goes. She's like she's like this. She's like, oh my. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, man. So when when Billy came, it's funny because I've I've heard rumors. That this scene was actually was actually in Moneyball, um, oh. and and then they pulled it out. And I I don't. The only thing that when I did hear that this scene was in Moneyball, the only thing that um, that I was concerned about, and I knew at this point Brad Pitt was was playing Billy, and I'm like, how the fuck am I going to win an argument with Brad Pitt? You know what I mean? Like like I don't. I don't want, and, and I'm not to, not to say that I won the argument, but I I feel like I presented my case really well to Billy when when we did have it out and had our conversation. Um, but you know, from a Hollywood perspective, like, dude, it's going to be really really difficult uh, to to win that argument, right? Um, and they eventually, I guess, pulled it out, and it, and, it, and it wasn't in there. Um, but yeah, and it was just telling him like, look, this is, this is my case, man. This is, this is, these are the things that you asked me to do. These are the things that I did. And, and, you know, I just, I just don't get it. And, you know, his response was pretty, uh, pretty cut and dry, but it, it was just like, look, man, he goes, don't know what to tell you. He goes, go back, go to, go down to AAA, do your thing. You'll be back up here shortly. Not a big deal. <laughs> and he's just, you know, totally dismissive. And, and and it's kind of how you have to be, yeah. you know, when you're making decisions like that. So part of me understood, and, and especially after I watched Moneyball, like the trades and everything, and he's like, he didn't want to get too close to the players where where it became, he would start to make decisions based on, you know, he, he, was, he would make it personal. Like we were all pawns. And I think that there's a happy median between what he was trying to do and what actually fucking wins. Because what he was trying to do was was, was X's, X's and O's, that, that, that. We're playing chess here. These are chess pieces. But the problem is, is that, you know, people aren't chess pieces, like, at all. People are, uh, people are people. I mean, people are, are you know, we're, we're, we're human beings and we're driven by emotions. So it's, uh, it's one of those very sort of delicate things. So, hey, Kowalski, that said, um, it's 8.23 right now. I got a heart out at, at 8.30. So that, that's I, fine. I'm going to go ahead. I'd be remiss. I'd be remiss if I didn't say, and if this scene did go down, how would you hold two of your statues like how you, how you do it? No, no, dude. Then you're like this again. Like, oh, you know, holding it like that right around the – Right around the midsection of the of the little statue, the little golden statue, they need to hold two of them like that. 
you know, and then maybe you and, and, and Brad Pitt at the Golden Globes or whatever, and then I'm your plus one, and that's a whole new story. So you never know. I love it, dude. I love it. All right. So as uh, those of you on here on the stream know, we can often be all over the place here at the Daily Hustle. But um, that was nice to go down memory lane for a second. Uh, let's get to the Daily Hustle because we got six minutes here, and i got to get my kids um, out to school and then get out to Chloe's ski race uh, today and uh, onto the snow sports mountain, as Kowalski likes to call it, over there at Squaw. <laughs> uh, the other day, during one of our Daily Hustle powwow sessions, Kowalski dropped another one of his beautiful gems that immediately prompted me to pull out my notes, write down the phrase for an upcoming Daily Hustle topic, quote, Professor E.B., I know what it is. I know what it is. Well, good morning, Mr. Supersoft. What golden nugget of wisdom do you think Kowalski divulged? Take it easy. Take it sleazy. Take it any way you can get it, preferably sleazy. Wrong. I'm sorry, Mr. Supersoft. The correct answer is what we reveal, we heal. We were talking about having to have uncomfortable conversations with those closest to us. And as Kowalski suggested, when we are able to completely be, to be completely transparent and forthcoming with ourselves and others, that immediately puts us in a position to heal whatever internal wounds we may be holding on to. Co-founder, co-founding No Filter Network has been an awesome experience. And one of the main reasons is the open communication my partner, Joe Manuelli, and I have been able to have from the get-go. Does this mean we never disagree? Of course not. But instead of letting our disagreements fester while building a mountain of resentment, we have the, we have the tough conversation and begin working towards a solution. Each and every time we don't see eye-to-eye, -eye, we are 100% upfront about whatever the issue is and then immediately begin the process to come up with some sort of compromise that always is made with the best interest of no filter, not our egos. Ultimately, just like Kowalski suggested, what we reveal, we heal. EB, um, so, you know, I, I think the, the bottom line of, of this whole daily hustle here is that we have to have conversations, right? We have to reveal the certain things um, that, that are festering, that bother us, uh, you know, in, in all aspects. And I just use this kind of like business example, um, but... You know, it also goes with, you know, all of our, our, our fears um, that we may have in, in our life. And I think when, when we're able to, to face our fears and address our fears, uh, that's when we're able to actually make progress and, you know, like you said, uh, begin to, to heal. Uh, Kowalski, you got three minutes. Uh, give me your thoughts on the what we reveal, what we heal daily hustle for this morning. Well, I don't want to take credit for it. Um, there was an article, I, I want to say it's out of the New York Times, Dean Barquette, the editor-in-chief, I, I might be butchering his name. He did a, uh, an interview with, with uh, the great warrior poet, Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z. And Jay-Z actually said, what we reveal, we heal. And maybe we're revealing too much nowadays, but we are starting to have these revealing conversations that are, are allowing us to, to open a dialogue and, and, and hopefully heal. And if you're having the, the reveal, what you reveal, you can heal conversations with people. I think it's important to preface it with, hey, listen, you're a dear friend. You're a dear colleague. I love and care about you. 
So I'm going to share some things with you because I know that you can carry the weight of the things I'm going to share with you because it's only to make our relationship better and to make, you know, uh, um, to, to help us evolve as people and cultivate a deeper connection. Chief, I just saw you in, uh, actually, we got Cali Skier in, in, in the knock panel as well. Obviously, we like to keep the Daily Hustle uh, as communicative as possible. Your presence is always very welcome, Chief. Uh, welcome to the show. We're now at like a minute and a half left. But for, uh, I don't know, give me your one-minute thoughts on what we reveal, we heal. Uh, hey, I've been listening since the beginning, enjoying the dialogue today, and certainly enjoyed the uh, the bike ride this morning. Uh, it was right on, right on. Hey, uh, I just wanted to touch base. I know you don't have the time to tell the Chloe story today with the one ski pole, but I had a. I wanted to say uh, that I had a professor when I went for my master's degree, and he had two rules. I'm only going to share the first one with you. Rule number one was always don't panic. If you don't panic, everything else will fall in line. And so uh, I think the award goes to Chloe. She lost the poll. She kept her poise for a young lady, and she didn't panic. And uh, the results were, uh, were uh, you know, right, right, right in front of you. Yeah, that's fantastic. And what she's talking about is basically yesterday, Chloe, uh, you know, there's 74 racers over at Squaw Valley yesterday. It's U14. I, these 12 and 13 year old girls are absolutely insane on skis. I, I still can't believe what I'm watching. Uh, but they're ripping down exhibition. Uh, she has a great first run. She went towards the very back uh, of the first run. She was like the 70th skier. She was in fifth place uh, out of 74 after the first run. And then uh, the second run, she fully sent it. And apparently she was going for it. And up top, she uh, actually took too tight of a line. She ran into a pole. Uh, of one of the gates, lost her pole, uh, dropped it. And so she had to ski the rest of the way down with one pole. And if you see like some of the pictures or the video that went with this, it's like she's like leaning like this and using her hand because they get so far on their edges just to be able to stay up. How she's stayed up, I, I have no idea. She absolutely uh, fought her way through it. But the one thing, Chief, and I, I mean, you just fucking drilled it, man. Like, she didn't panic. And even when she got down to the bottom, like, panic. I'm sitting there just go, you know, but when she got down to the bottom, and she's like, huh, wow, that was fun. And I'm like, fun? No, I'm glad it was fun for you. Jeez, your mother and I are down here just having heart attacks. Um, but, yeah, the, the, those who are able to stay calm in the face of adversity – uh, I mean, that's just, that's an, that's an incredible trait. Yeah. Well, kudos, kudos to her. She showed a lot of poise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kowalski, uh, chief, I'm going to run on you guys. I got to get Callie to school. Uh, Colton and I are heading over to Squaw, uh, to, uh, watch Chloe race and take a few laps ourselves. This has been a very uh, pleasant uh, good morning, Chief. It was nice to share, uh, once again, the first We Sweat class. Uh, for anybody on here uh, who has not participated in the first We Sweat class, we've got to wake up, guys. I mean, come on. It is fucking awesome. Uh, just an unbelievable way to, uh, to start the day so uh, think about that on Friday we have uh, daily or excuse me we have um, 
tonight at 5 p.m. Deuces Wild. Your baseball fan, do not miss this show. And then we'll be back with a 7 a.m. Daily Hustle tomorrow. Uh, and then we have the first We Sweat on Friday along with an 8 a.m. Uh, daily Hustle on Friday. Kowalski, ditch it up and uh, take us away. And everyone have a great day. Yeah, man. It's a good push. Really good push, dude. Whoa, with the foot? Yeah!